you're really in tune in your finances, right? You're tracking your profit and loss. You're tracking everything your business is buying. You know exactly how much money you know you're you're, you're netting and grossing and so on and so forth. Like you're going to see progress as long as you're making enough of it, right? And it amazes me how so many people think that they can just start something with no data, but they're going to make progress, right? It's like if I'm trying to grow my finances, but I have no plan of action, right? So again, like if I was trying to grow my finances, I'd probably have somebody, some financial person, right, helping me out so I can track all that stuff, which I do. In the same instance, that's not what I do, but I help people track all of their data so that they can continuously make progress. We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hi there, and welcome to another fine episode of the Strong by Design podcast. Cheers, Cheers gentlemen. boys. Kahlua and coffee. I wish. <laughs> A little Bailey's, maybe? Hey, welcome, listener, to uh, another episode. Uh, we have a dear friend of ours here today, and the topic at hand is really physical transformation. And, and actually, he is a dear friend. because He is a dear friend. You call everybody our dear friend. Right. But like, Will's actually our friend. He is. <laughs> more, much more than an acquaintance. Uh, I appreciate that. Yes. I appreciate that. I have been crowned officially friend. Will is... Uh, he's in the friend uh, zone. He is. He's <laughs> big time. And you want to stay there. We want to keep him in this that friend right. zone. Uh, Will's been part of our group, our team here at Critical Bench, working out with us and, and hanging out, fellowshipping uh, for a few years now. We've uh, grown real close with him and uh, really enjoy his company, but... Really, why we have him on the podcast today is his brilliance when it comes to fat loss, uh, when it comes to physical transformation, when it comes to people making a difference in their uh, in their health and in their fitness. And his uh, platform is amazing, The Educated Dieter. He's reaching people uh, all over the world, helping them uh, to change where they're at and get to where they want to be. Uh, and he's... Again, very, very brilliant in this field, uh, but we're going to go layman's terms, I think, with what we hit, hit on today, because he, he can go dry erase board. <laughs> he can start putting all, uh, equations and stuff up there and make you kind of your head spin, but we're going to talk about it from Mike and my personal experience. So we have Mr. Will Grazione on the show today. Round of applause. Thank you so much for having me. And... You know, what's funny is Matt will do that. He will do that. He'll put in clapping and round of applause. And Mike Westerdahl, uh, the uh, creator, founder of Critical Bench, the man who keeps us working and, uh, and, and the podcast show going. So it's going to be all three of us today sharing, but really tapping into Will's um, uh, amazing story, how, it, how you got to the point where you're at today, because I think I want to bring our listeners into your world a little bit, how you became such an expert in this field. And then we can kind of get into our experience with you this year and how transformative it was for us. Awesome. Yeah. So 
what when, when did this begin was this all does this all come back to like wanting to be a bodybuilder and and just falling in love with training and, and lifting no so no. it actually started as a very young age uh growing up seeing an overweight family uh, i grew up my family's from japan and when they moved to america everybody was very overweight uh, my mother, she was upwards of around 300 pounds. My uncle, same thing, about 300 pounds. Our, my grandfather, he was a very heavy man as well. Uh, my grandma came to America. They were, uh, my grandfather was in the Navy. They moved to America, lived in California for the first like 20 years of life, and then they relocated to Tampa, Florida. Uh, obviously, with me growing up, I just watched what was happening in my family. And force feeding was very common, right? So for a typical Oriental family, if an Oriental grandmother puts food in front of your face, it's considered massively disrespectful if you don't eat every single bite of it, right? And so she would bring me out, and you guys obviously are tracking your macros now, so like you understand, but she would bring me out legitimately like 200 grams of carbohydrates in sushi rolls and expect me to eat all of it. Right. And that's the way that I was raised was if you leave any food on the plate, it's considered disrespectful. Grandma holds a grudge against you. You end up chubby that the way you don't want to be. Right. And uh, I just kind of thought it was normal because, again, my uncle was heavy. My mom was heavy. Everybody around me was heavy. And um, honestly, I didn't really get a hold of it until I started playing football. But before I started playing football, my uncle, I remember he served a massive influence in my life because of the fact that he bought me my first weight bar. Okay, he bought me a weight bar with the plastic weights with the concrete oh, yeah. in them. We all have hollow them. <laughs> bar, right? Yeah, the weeder ones. Yeah, and um, I remember he bought it for me for my six. It was the, my six. I was six years old, but it was for Christmas. It came in a little box, and I opened it up, and he's like, you're going to be Ubu Schwarzenegger. So my nickname was Ubu, and he said, you're going to be Ubu Schwarzenegger. And he said, put these weights on here and do 20 curls. Right. So I said, all right, great. I put the weight on there and I'm, I'm pumping up. Right. And then I remember the first bicep workout I ever officially had with my uncle. I couldn't lift my arms afterwards. I remember going into my mom's bathroom, looking at myself in the mirror, trying to splash water on my face. And I couldn't get the water like I couldn't get my hands to my face. You were six years old when you started? I was six. Oh yeah. Um, and honestly, ever since then, I was hooked Wow. because I had the weights in my mom's patio. They were always there. And every time I needed to release some form of rage, I could. Now, the connection with me being more personally focused on trying to improve my body composition came from a place of anger, frustration, uh, not being happy with the way life was. Uh, I grew up with an alcoholic father, so I always knew from a very young age I didn't want to be anything like him, right? And so when I had these frustrations and these aggressions and things, I would just go into the patio and I would just curl until I couldn't lift my arms anymore. And for me at seven, eight, nine, ten years old, had no idea what I was doing, right. right? Didn't even, over the course of time, never even realized that I was different than any of the other kids. But at 12 years old, when I started to play football, I remember walking out onto the field and everybody's looking at me like I'm weird. And I'm like, 
Why is everybody looking at me like that, right? And they're like, dude, flex your arms. And I was like, okay. And I, <laughs> and I flex, right? And um, I guess it was kind of uncommon to see kids at that age with arms as large as mine were. Yeah. And so that was the first like positive reinforcement that I ever got that my workouts were paying off. Because until then, I would have like ridiculing from my uncle and like, you know, you're doing this wrong, doing that wrong. So I just grew up thinking I was doing everything wrong. But when I showed up to football the first day, my coaches were like, how long have you been lifting weights? That's awesome. Right? Because at 12 years old, <laughs> right. I, I stood out. Right? I, was, yeah, I mean, this I, is like pre-puberty at this yeah, point. Yeah, 100%. And I started lifting weights very, very young. Um, and, you know, you got all the stereotypical things of, um, you know, don't have him lift weights because he's not going to grow up and he's not going to be tall and blah, blah, blah. But my mom was really good about feeding me properly. You know, she would always make sure I had protein at every meal I ate. Um, and over the course of time, I just grew and developed into a really good football player. But a lot of that, I feel like, stemmed from the fact that I started lifting weights young. I got positive reinforcement from male figures in my life because I didn't have a dad. So when the first football coach was like, man, what are you doing? Keep doing that. I went home and I just remember lifting and lifting and lifting until I was like the strongest kid on the team. And it was clearly visible that I was. And so that was the first time where I basically was able to break apart from the systemic norm, normalcy of my family and break out into he's muscular athlete, not he's overweight, lazy. Right. Um, and I think that's probably where it all starts. So if you want, we, we can go from there. But that stemmed yeah. into playing uh, peewees, like making the all-star team, playing that, and then making it the high school, making the Pinellas County all-star team in that, and then getting a football scholarship and going and playing football in college. Yeah. So that's where it started was I saw injections. I saw obesity. I saw diabetes. I saw the way that my family was eating, and I wanted to be the one who could change that. It's oftentimes like it's a uh, a pain uh, point yeah. that yeah. that spurs greatness in somebody, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, uh, and sometimes it goes the opposite way, but obviously, in a lot of circumstances and stories that I've heard from people who are doing amazing things, it's because of they dig way back. It's yeah. like this is, and I'm glad you went all the way back to that because yeah, to a six year old with sore biceps, like that's not that's uncommon, no. <laughs> You definitely don't see it very often, but something that was really cool happened was when I was like around 12, 13 years old and I'm in middle school, it became a thing where my friends, we'd get out of middle school, we'd go to my house, we'd eat peanut butter and jellies, we'd drink a glass of milk, and then I would train them, right? So like I would work out with them, we would train, and like me and my friends, we were in eighth grade and we could bench 200 pounds. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's like everybody's looking at us like we're weird, but at the same time, we're like, this is something we do every day. Like, this is normal to us. You know, and then when we got into high school, obviously you get into high school, there's more like a genetic elite. There's more people that are older than you. Testosterone is obviously hit in guys. And you're seeing these guys come in. I just wanted to be like top five at my school. Right. So then I always continued to try to lift and try to train and eat the best I could to be top five in regards to not only what I looked like, but also kind of what I could perform like on the field. Um, and also from a strength perspective, because I wanted to be the strongest kid at my school. Uh, but genetically, it wasn't on my side to be that. There was a lot of strong kids at my school. And um, I guess being able to compare myself or up-level myself over the course of time, that helped a lot too. Is because I always had somebody that was stronger than me, so it always kept me hungry. 
That's fantastic. That's cool. Tell us about your business now. What's that like and how'd you get started in that? Yeah, so I like to tell new nutrition coaches to coach people that you genuinely care about because in that you'll find your passion in what you truly do. And so one of the first uh, people that I decided to help was actually my mom. So my mom had been working with a medical doctor, traditional Western medicine for about seven years and really didn't make that much progress besides trying to control her blood sugar. Uh, She hadn't lost any weight. She hadn't improved her insulin resistance, anything like that. And upon graduating from college, you know, I moved back home, got a couple different jobs and such and that's where I found my passion was because I was helping people that I genuinely cared about whether it was my mom my best friends I helped two of my best friends turn professional before I charged anybody a dollar for coaching right so when I wasn't making any money we had already turned I think four people pro at that time and in doing that for free is where I found my passion in doing it. But not only that, I helped my mom basically take her type 2 diabetes into remission, lose 100 pounds. She no longer needs insulin, no longer needs metformin, and she regulates her blood sugar just with food alone. And now here she is now. She's healthier than ever. She doesn't really see her doctor anymore besides her doctor to tell her, you're doing amazing, Alice. Keep going. Um, So really it was about helping people that I really loved and cared about early on and then using that passion to just continuously grow a business out of it. Um, I started off as a personal trainer and I like to tell other aspiring nutrition coaches to do the same thing. Because whether you're learning about exercise science or something like that through academia or you're maybe a registered dietitian or somebody like this with a prestigious education, you got to put yourself in the position to learn people and how people, specific people respond, not basing your education off of a potential algorithm or just making a specific adjustment because the textbook said so. I actually have to ask you, I have to say, Mike, how do you feel? Coach Chris, how do you feel? And I think as a personal trainer, that was one of the most important things I ever learned was I would ask clients, how did that movement feel? And if they told me they had pain, they told me they had a limitation in range of motion, whatever it was, I would try to adjust and manipulate it so where it would fit the person. So this is why everything that we do at The Educated Dieter is predicated on an individual being an N of one, not an algorithm, not a template, not a this diet works for everybody, but you are an individual and you should be treated like that. Right. I love it. We're all so different. We are. Right? We are. You know body types and age and gender and and activity level and all this stuff that all has to be accounted for Mm -hmm. in what you're doing with people talk a little bit more about one of before we get to what mike and i experienced with you one more like what was one of your most impressive physical transformations in recent memory uh, somebody that just, I, and I know you've had a lot, but mm-hmm. maybe just one example of somebody that, that you took from, you know, A to Z. Yeah. So, um, like you said about body types, we can probably go ahead and start there. Cause I think I could provide an example of each specific body type. So if you're talking about more of an endomorphic body type, which is a tr- more traditional, very heavy set, you know, more known as big boned, heavy set, you know, 250, 300, 350 pound type of male or female. Um, we've helped a, a woman go from 290 pounds down to 145 pounds. Now, The power in that, she lost 145 pounds, right? But the power in that is that I still keep in touch with her two years later and she's still the same weight. So that's something that I think we could potentially talk about later on is that 
This is not what we offer. We do not offer crash diets that compromise metabolic health. We offer more of a healthy diet smart approach so that the individuals can lose body fat but also find a sustainable lifestyle so they can lose the fat and actually keep it off. Now, there's a hormonal concept as well that ties into that, but we won't dive too deep into that. I'll just basically say for the endomorphic body type, very heavy set individual, likely insulin resistant on their way to potentially being a type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic, uh, taking somebody from 290 pounds down to 145, two years later, same weight. Um, mesomorphic body type. This is more of a classic, more muscular, athletic type of build. Um, interestingly enough, a lot of um, ectomorphic body types, which is long, lean, thin, eat whatever they want, right? We all knew that person in high school, sure, right? right? It's like, dude, she could crush a whole pizza. And it's like, dude, how does she look that lean, right? Right. Um, Taking individuals like that and actually making them mesomorphs is what I feel like we do a really good job at with mm. the educated dieter because we solely focus on trying to add lean body mass to the individual's physiology. So just think about this. How many calories do you think you could burn if we added 10, 15 pounds of lean muscle oh, wow. to your body, mm. right? So we could take these end, um, ectomorphic body type individuals, specifically maybe women that come from like a high cardio output or men that come from cross country, these more marathon-like sports. And when you think about a marathon-like body, you think long, lean, kind of frail. They don't right. have a lot of mass to them. Right. But then we could take that individual, we could, you could increase their calories. We could make sure that any vitamin and mineral deficiencies that are there, they're met and then we can actually force them to grow into more of a mesomorphic body type which is a more muscular build now something interesting happens in that when they're thinner longer leaner not a lot of lean body mass they can only peak their calories out at a specific point but when we add 10 15 20 pounds of muscle to their frame they can metabolize way more because muscle tissue is the most metabolically active right and muscle is also an organ it's an organ of longevity so like if we're trying to grow their bones or trying to thicken their bones or trying to add more lean muscle keep in mind that like i said muscle is metabolically active so the more muscle you have the more you can resist potentially going into pre-diabetes or type 2 di diabetes right yeah so i mean adding for a woman uh, that's maybe more of like a long distance runner or something like that, uh, to add 10 to 20 pounds of lean body mass to her body in a year, 18 months is very realistic. You just have to make sure you know what you're doing. And for anybody that doesn't think that's a lot, go to Sam's Club, look at a five pound pack of chicken. Just imagine a female body or a male body opening up that pack of chicken, taking one breast, slapping it on his chest, Take another one, slapping it over here, a girl slapping on her glutes, right? And it's like you're adding muscle to a body and that creates a physical transformation. A lot of people get way too hung up on, I got to do more cardio, I got to diet more. Yeah. But the reality is you have to stop doing this because you've been doing it for the last five, 10 years. We have to build the machine and then we can get you leaner in a much easier fashion because you have yeah. more muscle. Yes. A lot of people getting that one wrong mm -hmm. all the time. All the time. Companies making lots of money off of people getting that one wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, so something that I like to say is you can't diet forever. Right. You have to strategically map it out. Like if I drew a timeline on this piece of paper and I said this piece of paper is one year, right? Most people would say, okay, we're just going to start in a fat loss diet, lower your calories, increase your cardio. We're going to run that for the whole 12 months. 
I would rather say fat loss is going to stall. We know that. You guys know that, right? What makes it stall? That may, may become later on. But fat loss is going to stall. So what would be ideal for us is to say, let's try to portion this out. Okay, let's maybe say we're going to focus uh, 12 weeks here in fat loss with a goal of losing maybe 12 to 15 pounds, right? And then we're going to restore your metabolism, keeping the weight off. So getting your calories back up to where you're like, wow, I don't even feel like I'm really dieting, but the weight's staying low. This is perfect. Now, depending on what you want to do for the remainder, maybe quarter or half of the year, that's dependent on you. If you want to focus on building muscle, we can increase calories, we can take away some exercise, we can really focus on your sleep quality and your stress levels and performance in the gym. And then if you want to do that, we can do that. But if you want to go back into a fat loss phase, maybe later on, everything just needs to strategically be planned out. Because if you push fat loss for too long, you will have negative consequences that eventually are like a huge speed bump on the road, and you can't get past it. But most people, because they're very, most people that seek physique development, they're very type A, very control freak types of people. So they'll just keep trying to pound their head against the wall until they eventually give up and they're like, I can't do it all by myself. Yes. What kind of clients um, do you typically work with? Would you say most of them are kind of high, high achievers, high performers, athletes, or is it a mix of everyday people and... Yeah. So when I first got into nutrition coaching, it was specifically in the physique development world where I'm coaching like people that wanted to be professional bodybuilders. Um, but what I realized within the professional bodybuilding space or just bodybuilding in general is that because you're forcing so much stress on these men and women's bodies, they can only perform at that high level for a certain amount of time. Let me give you an example. Right now, it's football season. Tampa Bay Bucks are going into, what, week 14 or something, right? They don't play those games year-round, but that's the way bodybuilding is projected. There's shows for 12 months, and people will get lean in March, and then they'll compete for the whole year. Now, this is where a lot of hormone problems and metabolic slowdown happen because they basically are continuously dieting, eating the crap out of themselves. And the human physiology can only handle so much stress. When I say the word stress, what I mean is low calories, high amounts of cardio, high stimulants, not enough sleep, uh, relationship problems, work problems, life stressors. There's all types of different stress. But think about when you're pushing yourself really, really hard in the gym, everything else that you deal with becomes harder right? So then this is where a lot of like those physique athletes I mentioned, they can find themselves in positions after pushing stress really, really hard for prolonged periods of time with very low stomach acid. They lose their hunger signaling. Their metabolism slows down. This forces metabolic adaptation. So now again, they're at that roadblock and now they're like, I don't know what to do because the person that I'm working with just tells me to compete in another show. So all I know how to do to get me ready is keep driving the hammer keep driving the nail, right? Well, you competed yourself and you turned this whole paradigm upside down, did right. it completely different and people were telling you it wasn't going to work. Well, Tell us that story. Yeah. So the same thing happened to me though, is why I'm bringing all this up. The same thing happened to me in that I competed in my first competition and I got addicted because I won. Well, I won the overall at my very first show. And here I am, I'm like 24 year old kid fresh out of college. And I'm like, dude, I just moved back to Florida, trained for 12 weeks, and I won the overall in Orlando with a bunch of awesome bodybuilders on stage. 
what am I supposed to do? Oh, naturally, I go compete again, and I compete again, and I compete again. And I competed seven times in one year, and at the end of it, I realized my sex hormones were shot, like testosterone was gone, metabolic adaptation was real because I couldn't lose any more fat. And so then that started to manifest these ideas in my mind as far as why did that happen? Um, what was your question, Mike? Well, it's, you're telling the story now, but basically how you, you're getting to the point now where what did you do differently? What did right. you learn? Yeah. And so with all that, with me noticing all this, again, I've worked <clears throat> with a lot of physique athletes um, over the last decade. I think we've turned about 50 people professional both natural and enhanced, and we've won, I think, eight world titles, right? But through that and being involved in that and seeing all the other coaches, athletes and everything, I realized that the bodybuilding community is making more health problems than they're solving, right? And so specifically with women though, right? I wanna say that so it's very clear. Women do not tolerate stress the same as men because of the differentials between their sex hormones. We might not get into that, but the female physiology is predicated on two hormones, estrogen, which makes a woman a woman. It gives her her female attributes and different emotion fluxes and things like this. And then progesterone, which is the hormone that's responsible for her calming nature so that she can reproduce. Okay. Now for men though, we're, we're focused on testosterone. We're trying to keep our testosterone levels high, so on and so forth. But what I noticed was males at the end, rock bottom testosterone, no sex drive, no drive to procreate, nothing. Like the most beautiful woman in the world could walk by you in a bikini and you wouldn't even look twice at her. Right. I noticed that happening to me because that woman was my wife. <laughs> and I'm like, my wife's walking past me. I'm not even thinking about this. Like, what's going on? Wow. And um, there's even been readings calculated in uh, natural physique athletes, like natural bodybuilders that were not enhanced, weren't using steroids or anything like that. And their testosterone levels can go from six or 700 naturally to less than 100, depending on how lean they get. So think about that. That's the testosterone level of like an 80-year-old man, but you're a 30-year-old guy. Right. And so that actually happened to me. Big muscular 30 year old guy, too. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, which most people look at him and be like, oh, that guy's testosterone is probably through the roof. Yeah. Look at him. But <laughs> the thing is, is that the harder you push, the more likely you are to start to lose muscle because your testosterone drastically decreases right. after you get 10, 12 percent body fat and sub that. So most natural bodybuilders are trying to get the 5% if you're a guy because you got to have striations in your legs and everywhere. And most women are trying to get the 10, 12% if they're like a bikini gal or a figure girl or something like that. But they're really compromising their health because of how hard they're pushing themselves. Now, the epiphany moment was um, I started to have blood work done um, on my clients and I started to basically create um, what I'll call a MSQ or a metabolic stress questionnaire. So I would have clients that were getting ready to go into shows. And if I had them ready ahead of time, I would say, we're not pushing anymore. You're ready. And you're four weeks out or three weeks out or five weeks out. I say, I'm going to add food back in and I'm going to take cardio down. I'm going to add in some adaptogenic herbs to help with stress. We're going to focus on your sleep, da, 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 da. And we're actually reverse dieting them, feeding them more so that when they so that when they would step on stage, they didn't feel like they were still dieting. Right. 
So you guys know, obviously, as we started to get leaner, we kind of start to have to take some carbohydrates down a little bit. That would happen with these people. And I'd say, all right, well, if I can get them lean four weeks ahead of time, then I can reverse diet them so that they're already on the road to recovery when they step across stage. And let's just say um, they win, right? Then like, I haven't dieted for four weeks. My coach is amazing, right? Like I stepped across stage, y'all are suffering. You haven't drank water. You cut your sodium. You haven't had any treat foods, nothing. Right. You're in absolute pain up yeah. there, like but faking I feel, that yeah. smile. You right. Know? But I feel amazing and I won. Right. Right. So then I noticed that uh, the big problem was natural women. And so I was a part of the problem at one point in time, which is why I want to bring this up. And a lot of people are in that position. But understanding that I was a part of the problem because I was producing the athletes that were turning professional and all this, I had to create some type of system where if I was going to do that to them knowingly, I had to fix it, too. A lot of people, when we were going through this and all everybody's showing up at the competitions, people's girls are winning, so on and so forth, nobody cared about what happened after. Mm -hmm. They just care about the trophy. Mm -hmm. But I started to care more about the health because I was noticing that after the shows, a lot of women would just blow right back up. Now, I'm not even talking about just the competition. This happens in normal fat loss too, right? Women will they'll, they'll sabotage themselves. They'll lose a ton of weight really quick. Maybe they go keto. Maybe they cut their carbs, no bread, no starch, whatever it is. And they'll lose 15, 20 pounds. And then what happens to them when you see them three, four months later? They've gained 20, two, three, four, five back, right? And so part of the thing that I was trying to fix was what do we have to do hormonally to gain control over this and then set them on a path for long-term success because competition lean is not healthy. We all know that, right? That's why your hormones dump, right? But if we can get them down to a position where they look great, they feel great, and they can eat enough to not be hungry all the time, I think we'd all agree that that's a pretty big win, right? And so then my focus shifted from turn as many people professional, like pro bodybuilder coach to health coach. And then we started to invest in our education, going through things like the Institute of Functional Medicine and bridging the gap between what we know to be macronutrient style coaching, where we're considering things like energy balance, calories in, calories out, to actually bridging that gap and understanding the functional nutrition side, because then we could understand what's happening inside that creates calories in, calories out. Love it. So let's... Knowing all this now, so the listeners' heads buzzing, right? Because they're like, wow, that's really good. <laughs> I'm learning a lot. And that's why we wanted you on this episode because you're so good at educating people on this particular topic because there's so much noise and so much confusion and, and so many people earnestly working hard but mm -hmm. doing the wrong stuff. Sure. Like I have been doing, had been doing for a long time. So back in May, Mike and I made a decision together. And Mike was uh, generous enough, which he does a lot, to uh, cover it, sure. the cost, right. and having you as our coach. Mm -hmm. And we got started. And, and what, Mike, what was the reason for this uh, kind of the, that, that kind of uh, spurred this? There was a few things, but the big, the big thing for me was um, there was a guy's trip out in San Diego. Uh, one of our friends was putting together, and one of the activities was to go skydiving, mm -hmm. and you had to be under... 230 pounds to go right and um really that was just something that like half the guys were doing the other half were either too heavy or just had no interest whatsoever in mm -hmm. jumping out of an airplane that works but you know we like to step out of our comfort zone we like to do uncomfortable things and uh 
I was over over the limit, and uh, I don't know you were you were not over the limit. I but, wasn't. But no. you had kind of been uh, having some yo yo stuff going on for a yep. few years, up and down, up and down. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we tried a lot of stuff ourselves. I mean, you know, we do this for a living. It's like we can handle it. But then I was like, let's get someone who really will give us some accountability, who knows what they're doing, with a good track record. And uh, we reached out reached out to you, Will, and had a pretty aggressive goal mm-hmm. where. Um, how how long did we have for before that trip? I think it was like, it was like eight. I think like for eight you, to ten it was I yeah. think it was around eight to ten weeks for Mike. So Mike started at two forty one. So he had to drop about eleven pounds in as healthy of a manner as possible in that duration of time. And I mean, I knew it was possible. Like you're a big guy, you have a lot of muscle. Um, I knew it was possible, but we just I was I like I think we can do it in that amount of time. But I typically like to maybe go a little bit slower than that. Um, but. Yeah, and it was, a, I mean, for people that don't know what health coaching looks like, mm-hmm. it's not a group thing. It's not, this was one-on-one mm-hmm. with you. We had a weekly uh, Zoom call to kind of go over our spreadsheet. Right. I um, mean, you can talk more about the process and, and what we did, but um, definitely a consultation, what was to be expected, what you needed from us. There's a spreadsheet counting our food, which neither of us had ever done before. Mm-hmm. And in weekly, really educating, which made this different. It wasn't just uh, someone telling you what to do and you just do it. We were learning every week as we were going through this to the point where whether we continue to coaching with you after we hit our goal or not, we had um, learned how to eat healthier and kind of maintain this goal weight that we had hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so with um, what we essentially offer, so like I said, we analyze the problem that was happening in the industry um and and unfortunately i guess to my knowledge at the time i really wasn't aware that it was such a widespread thing but as i begin to get inquiries and as i begin to hear from a lot of ladies and men that had the same problem they're like hey nobody's really doing this but like i'm seeing that you're making content about it and i'm connecting with the message can you help me And so over the course of that time, once I assessed what the problem was, I began to help a lot of people that wanted to basically get to a lifestyle where, again, it's sustainable fat loss. We're not trying to be overly aggressive to where it has negative health complications. And we want to be able to take my shirt off and look good at the beach or wear a bikini and look good at the beach, but also be hormonally healthy. Um, and so, you know, that kind of that answering that question became pretty easy to me. That's how we started the whole, Hey coach thing. Cause we'd have a lot of people reaching out to us and saying, Hey coach, what do you do in this? Hey coach, how do you do this? Hey coach, what do you do that? And I said, well, why don't I just make the podcast and why don't we just make videos and put all that stuff all over it. Um, and so a lot of people started to reach out to us and obviously it's been a blessing to work with you guys. Uh, we've had a great relationship for a long period of time now. And honestly, every time I have the opportunity to coach people that I really genuinely care about, I'm very much so like tied to the journey. Cause once I start with you guys, it's almost like you guys probably noticed, like I wanted to keep going. Cause I'm like, <laughs> once I'm tied to the journey, I'm like, I don't want to stop until we're, we're there. And then once we're there, I want to be able to teach you how to sustain it. Um, and so the education part is something that we offer as a, as a part of our company, because we know that education drives compliance, mm-hmm. right? So if I would have just showed up and not taught you anything, you probably would have been like, all right, well, what's, why do we keep doing this? Right. But the more education I can provide, the more you learn, the more tools you have on your tool belt for when we're done, because I don't want clients to come in and essentially work with us forever. I would rather teach you all of the things that you need to know in order to be able to progress forward and say, the educated dieters treated me phenomenal over the last six, nine or 12 months. I've learned a ton from you guys. 
and I'm ready to go off on my own and basically live this lifestyle. I understand that, hey, if I want to lose a little bit, this is what I do. I understand if I want to gain some muscle, this is what I do. And as long as we're equipping them with the knowledge that they need, I personally feel like we're able to change a lot of people's perspective all over the world because traditional weight loss is eat less, do more. <laughs> what but, stood out to me, what you said was um, kind of staying healthy, keeping yeah. the hormones healthy and not being too aggressive, right? Because from the client's point of view, if you're going to hire someone as a nutrition coach and you're paying them money and you don't know even what they're going to tell you yet, right. there's a bit of anxiety there before that first meeting. Cause I remember what I told Chris, like we're having our meeting and, and I'm like, we're, we don't know what's going to happen. Like he's going to come tell us that, uh, like we're never drinking another Coke zero again, like ice cream's done uh, forever. And you know, it's just going to be chicken and broccoli from now on and like ready, get ready to buckle down and be miserable. What's going to happen? Like, I'm probably going to get in a fight with my wife. The kids are going to think I'm mean. I'm going to make less money. Like this, this could like <laughs> cause a lot of other problems. Like we didn't know what to expect. Yeah. So like when you came and talked to us, even I remember even just telling us how it was going to go down. We were kind of like, all right, I think we could do this. But we had never used um, an app uh, for tracking calories. Like we kind of know as as fitness guys, <laughs> protein, fat, and carbs and what's mm -hmm. in different foods. But when uh, when we had to do that practice log for that first week or so, mm -hmm. we did not realize at all how many calories you're actually getting. Yes. And just really by uh, shifting some things, mm -hmm. eating more of the lean protein, it had nothing to do with eating less. We mm -hmm. were eating way more food than we even wanted to eat. Right. It was like old days in high school when I was trying to gain weight. We were eating a lot of food. There was no lack of food. Mm -hmm. It was just changing changing uh, how much protein we're eating was really the big takeaway for me. Mm -hmm. If I just get more lean protein in every meal, then there's not enough left of the fat and carbs to be getting as many calories as I was getting before. That's right. And what was the, the eye opener was how much I was under eating protein, even with supplementation, mm -hmm. drinking shakes and stuff to fill gaps and how much I was overeating fat because there's just hidden fats in, in everything. And I, I like what you say because it's, it, there, there was a period of time where, you know, everyone went low fat, mm -hmm. right? Low fat is, is, is the way to go. And then there was a little thing that happened where people were like, no, eat fat. Like if you eat fat, you, you, you're better at losing fat, mm -hmm. but you need to moderate and keep your fats low ultimately, but, mm -hmm. and they have to be the right fats. I mean, in order to lose fat, you really do need to watch your fat intake. Taming a powerful appetite and reducing the desire for overly processed foods can actually be easy if you know how. This free 20-page report gives you six ways to tame your appetite and cravings to help you control your weight and achieve optimal health. Please visit criticalbench.com slash tame cravings for this free resource to help you gain control of your appetite and those late night cravings. That's criticalbench.com slash tame cravings. I'm going to talk a lot about all the topics that we just ran through. Right, but right. Um, as far as dietary fats concerned, I think it's important to understand that for survival, if you have, you know, there's 3,500 calories in a pound of fat, right? right? If you even have 10 pounds of fat on your body, that's 35,000 calories from fat on your body. 
can your body still survive and thrive and procreate with 10 pounds of body fat? Yeah. However, if you stay there for too long, it will have negative hormonal consequences. And so I'm not a fan of going all in on like one thing and eliminating something else. I am a fan of sustainable lifestyle changes. Okay. What I mean by that is I have a daily allotment of fat. I have a daily allotment of carbohydrate I have a daily allotment of protein and obviously I need fiber. And within the context of that, I also have to make sure that I am getting some fruits and vegetables and various other healthy micronutrient dense foods, right? So what you had said, Mike, about dieting in general, a lot of people's perspective is, okay, I'm starting a diet. He's going to come in here and he's going to completely just wash my whole life and he's going to tell me I can't have any of the stuff I like. No more family dinners. No right. more going to the amusement Nothing. park. I mean, you're basically eating like out of plastic for, for 12 <laughs> weeks in a row at this point, right? right. Um, grilled chicken, broccoli, asparagus. You know, I'm sure you guys have all heard that before. But no, the reality is that every single macronutrient that we need, fats, carbs, proteins, fibers, vitamins, minerals, all these things serve a valuable role in our daily intake. Now, if anybody was to ever tell you, hey, cut all this out. Chances are they're taking you down a slippery slope road. Probably not the road you want to go down. Not a sustainable one. Right. But if somebody actually tells you, hey, everything in moderation is okay, that sounds like sustainability to me, right? Uh, especially being husbands, fathers, we have, we have numerous children. Our children want to go do things. They want to have fun. What kind of role am I leading if I tell my children that I can never enjoy anything with them? Right. Then they think ice cream is bad. Then they think they can never have ice cream. And then they grew up to be these guys, these guys and these gals with eating disorders. Right. So I think it all starts with the parents and the more sustainability and the more education we can provide to the parents. Guess what that does? It now feeds the next generation. It feeds our kids knowledge. It allows them to know oh, this is a protein. This is a carb. This is a fat. Like if you go to my house and you ask my daughter, say, hey, Malayla. Is this protein? She's like, yeah, daddy, it's chicken. Obviously, it's protein. I say, okay, well, wh- what are the carbs? She's like, well, mommy's making p- potatoes, right? And she's like, well, what are the fat? And she's like, oh, guacamole. Like, she knows these things right. because I try to teach her these things. And I also, I'll sit down with her at the end of the day. I'll fit ice cream into my macros because it matters to me that she sees me living a sustainable lifestyle, right? And so as far as uh, being a flexible dieter, um, I think it's important to understand that everything in moderation is okay unless you have some type of very specific GI health or gut problem or something like that in which you should probably seek like anti-inflammatory foods and a whole myriad of, of other things. But the reason I bring that up is because we have to treat everybody as an N of one. If you've never reported to me that you have any form of GI problem, gut problem, anything like that, I'm approaching you as being a healthy individual, right? Individuals that do have GI problems, and we have to understand that every disease starts in the gut, then we have to treat them differently, right? But that's why we have a functional nutrition side of my business, and we have a more normal gen pop side of my business. Because what we're essentially trying to do, Chris and Mike, is we're trying to get these functional cases with hormone issues to graduate from this and move on to this, right? right? Um, And so the other thing, what Mike was talking about regarding tracking macros, what tracking macros does is it allows you to generate nutritional awareness, 
right? And so maybe you weren't aware of how much fat you were eating, right? I remember some of them days it'd be like a hundred and something, but I started you off around like 65 or 75 or something yeah, like 75, that. Yeah. And for him, that was very low fat, right? Because we both know like we could go to a steakhouse and blow that in one steak. Yep, one right? meal. Yep. Um, however, once you start to develop these eating habits, you understand that now you have a budget, right? So what are the fatty foods? Maybe we're listing these things out. We're listing out oils, guacamole, steaks, whole eggs, uh, peanuts, peanut butters, like all these different high fat foods. But the thing is, is that you can have these things, but you can have them in moderation. Uh, arc chocolate is another example. A lot of people love it, but they feel like they can never eat it because they're on a diet. But if the diet's a lifestyle, then I can still fit the things that I want. I just have to be strategic with how I decide to spend my macros, mm -hmm. right? It's no different than if you're trying to build and accumulate funds, but you have a spending problem, right? Let's just fix the spending problem. Let's buy what you need. And let's make sure that at the end of the day, if we're given $2,000, we spend the 2000, but we don't go in debt. Plus we had that day where you get extra money. The refeed day. The days you get <clears throat> extra money are nice, but they serve a very important role that a lot of people, uh, a lot of people have food fears, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of people, because they've dieted for the majority of their life, right? They understand that, oh, every single time I've eaten more, I gain weight. So now I'm scared of eating. A lot of our women that we coach at the Educated Dieter, they have the same issue. Um, and so oftentimes what we're trying to get through to them is that food is not the enemy. Carbohydrates are not bad, fats are not bad, protein's not bad, resistance training is not bad, cutting your cardio back is not bad, right? But we have to basically coach them to the point where we can start, they can start to really trust us. Uh, because one of the worst things you could potentially do is take a gal that's been under eating for long durations of time, right? We're talking five years, 10 years, a lot of cardio. She's had all the F45 Orange Theory classes, cardio boot camps and kickboxing, all and that she's stuff. she's still not where she wants to be. Because she's been plateaued for so long. Her thyroid is downregulated. She can't burn any energy. I mean, it's like it's like a four-cylinder engine. Like, what does it get? Like 40 miles a gallon or something? You want to be the V8. You don't want to be the four-cylinder. But for somebody like that... And that's true in life in general, folks. <laughs> just, just, you know, aside yeah. from food. But, right? uh, you know, for somebody like mm -hmm. that, it's important to slowly implement food over the course of time because you always have to meet the client where the client is. One of the biggest mistakes I see in the nutritional coaching space right now is a lot of nutrition coaches are bringing in these very low calorie intake women and they're trying to skyrocket their calories immediately because the online algorithm tells them five foot five, 165 pounds, they got to be eating 2000 calories. It's like, but when she came into you, she's eating a thousand on day one, 1800 on day two because she's hungry, a thousand on Wednesday because she feels bad. She ate 1800 on Tuesday, <laughs> right? And then it's just up and down, yo-yo up and down. And basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to find a happy medium and we're trying to say, let's just start you off a couple hundred calories above what you're accustomed to. Fair? Yeah, of course I can do that. Okay, great. So like, or at least we're starting somewhere. We're starting at step one. Now, over the course of time, we can slowly reverse diet them up to build the metabolism. Why this is important specifically for women, uh, not to lose anybody here, but glucose from carbohydrate helps to fuel a hormone called leptin. Leptin sends a signal to the thyroid. Ever wonder why so many women that are 35, 40, 45, 50 end up with hypothyroidism? Underactive thyroid because they've cut carbs out for way too long. 
over-exercising carbs, they became hypothyroid. So if we can slowly introduce carbohydrate over the course of time, in many cases, we can actually improve their thyroid function and bring their stress back down. Now, keep in mind that that's just one part of that timeline that I created, which would be focused on restoration, right? We're trying to restore the physiology back to where it's a energy burning machine so that when we go into fat loss, that's what happens. Boom, 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 boom. They're just dropping body fat. And they're like, I can't believe that this is working. Well, it's because you took your foot off the gas, you put the car in the shop, you fixed everything that needed to be fixed, and now you can go drag race again. Yeah. And I think for Chris and I, we had been getting a lot of all kinds of food. It wasn't an issue of like restriction. Sure. Um, So I think we were pretty healthy. You even saw our blood work and our hormones Mm -hmm. when when we started. Yep. And um, you dropped our carbs Mm -hmm. and you dropped our fat and you actually increased our protein. Mm -hmm. And the weight started coming off relatively quickly on mm-hmm. a weekly basis we were seeing it drop and then you then you threw that wild card in at the meeting that you're like okay you're gonna double up on your carbs right on the seventh day and we're like wait a minute everything's going so good right now why would we do that <laughs> yeah. that's just gonna end everything and we're gonna go back up right and you're like that's not how it works mm-hmm. you're like it's like a fire mm-hmm. and it's burning well right now and if we keep it keep it low you're not fueling it it's gonna die out i'd rather feed that fire with some extra carbs and keep it strong strong and healthy yeah and then the next week we'll back it off again and it keeps the fire going exactly exactly each week by doing that Mm -hmm. i was losing you know that one one and a half pounds Mm -hmm. on average per week and i would have a new low Mm -hmm. like each week and it would always be like tuesday wednesday or thursday generally it would be like one of those middle of the of the week days would Mm -hmm. be like a new low and i think there was only like a couple of weeks over like geez, what, four or five months Yeah, where I didn't hit a new low in, in, in a week. It was very consistent, so was, yeah. And we always had the refeed day on the weekend just because yes. that's mm-hmm. when we were kind of out of schedule and doing different things yep. and stuff, right. which yeah. was cool too because there was days I remember where you went to a baseball game and I was up in Orlando at an amusement park, didn't, I don't know, you can't bring Tupperware and stuff into the amusement park, wound up having to do pizza or something that didn't hit the numbers for the day. You uh, did a good job at the baseball game. I think you all you had was like a hot dog and one beer. But yeah. Will was like, well, you had fun. You were enjoying yourself. You had a social life, and yeah. you like didn't totally blow it. And then the the numbers on the Excel sheet still showed like losing weight, even though we had a screw up the day before. And that and was just showing that this was working. Right. Like even with messing up. It was still working. Yeah. Even, even with those mess ups, there was like forgiveness and grace in there because mm-hmm. as long as you didn't like double up on your mess ups, you know, if it was like a mess up meal, mm-hmm. not a mess up weekend or a mess right. up, uh, you know, whole day where that's how I used to kind of do it. Right. When I loosely was like trying to eat better, not, not tracking, not mm-hmm. logging, none of that, no accountability, just I'm going to eat better this week, you know, yeah. and then I kill it. In a weekend, because yep. there was just multiple meals. That's the body's like, all right, I give up. Like you're killing me here, dude. But if we you were had- doing it like the female example, though, yeah. it'd be like, all right, that was I shouldn't have had that ice cream last night, so now I'm going to intermit fast and skip <laughs> skip breakfast and like have a salad for lunch. But yeah. now, like now you're starving for dinner and right. like completely overdo it and eat late at night yeah. again. Like just yeah. dumb stuff. Yeah, trying to like wing it each day. What kind of diet you're doing? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, most people would never, you know, if you're in, let's just say, as an example, I like to use 
finances as a good example of this. But let's just say if you're really in tune in your finances, right? You're tracking your profit and loss. You're tracking everything your business is buying. You know exactly how much money you know you're you're, you're netting and grossing and so on and so forth. Like you're going to see progress as long as you're making enough of it, right? And it amazes me how so many people think that they can just start something with no data, but they're going to make progress, right? It's like if I'm trying to grow my finances, but I have no plan of action, right? So again, like if I was trying to grow my finances, I'd probably have somebody, some financial person, right, helping me out so I can track all that stuff, which I do. In the same instance, that's not what I do, but I help people track all of their data so that they can continuously make progress. Uh, something that you brought up, Mike, and I want to be able to provide some very helpful information to the audience out there. Just easy take-home steps, you know, things that you can do immediately to almost imp- improve your body com- composition, um, at least getting yourself started on the right path. So like Mike said, I had them increase their protein intake. These are muscular men. Uh, if you're a muscular woman, you know, you'd still want to increase your protein intake. Even if you're not a muscular woman, you want to create an anabolic environment. Anabolic is just short for a growing environment. The way that you do that is by having more protein on a consistent basis. So maybe if you're not having much protein, maybe you're, you skip breakfast and you get the Dunkin' Donuts coffee or you get a, a takeout order for lunch and then you go home and eat some protein. That's a typical like American day, right? However, what you would want to do is you would want to say, all right, what is protein? animal-based protein sources. If you're vegan, there's vegan protein sources as well. But I need to try to get, if you're a, if you're a smaller gal, let's try to get 25, 30 grams of protein per meal. If you do that, you're already putting yourself in a more ideal position to build the shape that you want. So if you want to start to reshape your body, you want to build some glutes, you want to build some shoulders, you want a shapely physique, you can't just keep doing cardio because you're actually burning the shape away, right? You want to start to build the muscle that's actually going to help you create the shape. If you're a guy and you want a nice V taper, so on and so forth, you got to make sure that you're having substantial amounts of protein so you can fuel your body to maintain the muscle that you're trying to either build or maintain during a fat loss phase. So rule number one, have high protein. Um, Number two is the reason that I had basically gained control over Chris and Mike's uh, carbohydrates is because I wanted to get them as insulin sensitive as possible. So I don't know how familiar your audience is with like blood sugar or anything like that. But like I talked about earlier, type 2 diabetes is extreme insulin resistance. It's when you have a lot of circulating glucose molecules in your blood. Okay. Now, the more circulating glucose molecules you have in your blood that your body's not using, this leads to high blood sugar, right? Um, and so what I'm trying to do in the immediate couple weeks is I'm trying to get that blood sugar out because when we can get that blood sugar out, we can reintroduce more carbs, i.e. your high carb days, and your body's actually absorb them instead of, oh, there's just more sugar. Let's store it in the garage and it's stored as fat right, which is what most people do. You want to be able to introduce the carbohydrates to an environment that can grab them and pull them into the muscle and say, go use this. Or I'm going to use this to help stimulate my metabolism, i.e. why you saw those new lows every week. Your, your daily routine, it's always locked in. You kind of do the same thing on a daily basis. Your weekends are a little bit more flexible, which is great. That's your lifestyle. And so I knew the whole time we wanted to get you to that sustainable fat loss place. Um, 
As far as the other thing, as far as dietary fat goes, I know Coach Chris has mentioned that you know his fats were uh, relatively low, uh, but I think it's important to understand that dietary fat controls your hormonal profile and your endocrine system. So fats and proteins are essential macronutrients. Carbohydrates, a little bit less essential, but still essential nonetheless. But this is the variable that we manipulate when we're taking somebody from a fat loss phase into a muscle building phase into a restoration because fats and proteins are usually going to stay about the same or around the same. Can we deviate them and flex them a little bit? Yes, of course. Uh, but oftentimes we're using carbs as the primary variable to say, right now you're at energy maintenance, which means no weight loss. Now you're in an energy deficit, which means you should lose body fat, but we can also go into an energy surplus where you should be building muscle and getting stronger and not losing body fat, right? Um, so as far as like three main take-home things, that's what I would say is number one, just increase your protein intake. Number two, if you want to lose body fat, just gain control over your carbohydrate intake and make sure that you know, you're losing weight in a good sustainable fashion. And then uh, once you start to feel like you have a, like a really good amount of energy, that's likely a good sign you are insulin sensitive and that's probably a good time to start carbohydrate cycling to some capacity. Um, as far as uh, any additional information, so I think immediately because of the way that you know, society is becoming now, which is like is very uh, dependent on technological devices people are overstimulating themselves more now than ever stress is higher than ever we got all these different crazy things going on some of the primary things that people could do immediately to start to improve their body composition number one is just improve your quality of sleep how do you do that take home pull out a piece of paper write this down you need an a.m routine and a p.m routine of some sort doesn't have to be anything crazy but just like your kids you tuck your kids in at nighttime, right parents also need that but oftentimes they neglect that right and so if we could average you know six seven hours for guys is probably okay but i would definitely say if you could get eight hours it's optimal uh but a busy working professional you know trying to get somebody like that to sleep eight hours a day might not work out right. um, but if you can at least try to get some blue light out of your lifestyle before you're getting ready to go to bed maybe operate by candlelight turn off the electronic devices two hours before bed that's going to allow your body to naturally release serot uh, uh, melatonin that's your sleeping hormone, right? And then it's going to help you kind of ease into rest. Uh, and then first thing in the morning, if you wake up with the sun, once sunlight or any light in general hits your optic nerve, it releases cortisol, which is what wakes you up in the morning, right? And so any circadian disruptances, that's your base of your circadian rhythm. Any circadian disruptances, which is basically like chugging a monster, uh, having two scoops of pre-workout at seven o'clock at night, you know, uh, being very dependent on caffeine, like all throughout the day, even through the night where your body can't release melatonin when you're continuously stimulated by excessive lights and stimulants, right? So then if you're not releasing your sleeping hormone, what do you think is going to happen when you try to go to bed? You're wired. You can't sleep, wired and tired, right? You're tired, 
but you're wired and you can't fall asleep. So this negatively influences your hormonal profile, right? So that would be the first thing, sleeping better. Uh, second thing I would say is when you do wake up, try to get some movement in. You're already insulin sensitive first thing in the morning. Try to just wake up, maybe get a little bit of cardio in here or there just to stimulate your metabolism. Walk your dog. Yeah, something, yeah. right? Take, take, take the kids to around the block or something. I don't mm -hmm. know, right. but anything. Um, 10 minutes on a bike, something. Um, I would say the other thing would be try to make sure that you're, when you're waking up, you're, you're hydrating yourself, drinking enough water on a daily basis. For smaller, petite gals, 70, 80 ounces of water is probably enough. For larger, more muscular, active training men, I'd say probably 100 ounces to a gallon is probably enough. Um, as far as nutrition goes, I'm not a big fan of fasting. I'm not a big fan of uh, time-restricted feeding, anything like that. Um, and I would always be an advocate of waking up and getting some food in your system. Mm -hmm. Now, if you wanna pay more attention to like being really sharp and clear first thing in the morning, protein, fat, and vegetable. Because those things don't affect your blood sugar. But if you don't necessarily care about that, and maybe you know like, hey, I just gotta get my carbs in because I have a lot of carbs, I'm gonna train really hard later, yeah. great, wake up, have a big breakfast, proteins, fats, carbohydrates. Uh, the other thing is that I think taking advantage of stress not necessarily taking advantage of it, but learning how to control it. See, a lot of people live in a very chaotic space. A lot of people, their lives are very chaotic. And so the way that they show up if with everything is chaotic and they're actually trapped in a sympathetic dominant nervous system state, right? These are very type A, I gotta do everything all by myself, like very much so like that. And individuals that are like that, oftentimes they do operate with very high stress, but they've been like that for so long, they don't even acknowledge that they're high stress. So if we could maybe add in some breathing techniques, some supplementation techniques, an AM, PM routine, so they can be more proactive with their life, you can reduce cortisol, and as a side effect of reducing cortisol, you reduce blood sugar, and then this can actually create a fat oxidative environment, mm. which means more fat loss. Um, so that would be, those would be my tips. Those are awesome. That's very helpful. Really, those people, really helpful. people can use right away. Yeah. Those tips. Do you want to share how did, um, Chris and I kind of finish up our coaching? What were the results mm -hmm. that we got? And then if somebody's interested or want to uh, get more information from you, how do they go about doing that? Sure. Yeah. So obviously I have a great relationship with, uh, Chris and Mike. I come to the compound all the time and work out. And w honestly, when they asked me to coach them, I was very, very happy about it. Um, like I said, I love coaching people that I genuinely care about. And, uh, throughout the journey, I thought it was great. I obviously could see the fact that like Chris's lifestyle was a bit more in control than Mike's maybe was. He was, was traveling, traveling all like, over the place. We had like four trips and, during the thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, masterminds and family trips and all that. But something that he reminded me of was that, hey, well, we still hit the goal, right? Because like I said, I become kind of emotionally attached to whatever the goal is. And the goal was to get him down under 230 pounds so he could jump out of a plane, skydive, have a great time. Uh, when he started, he was 241 pounds. So we were able to get that the weight that he needed off within the allotted time limit that we had, uh, which was a huge goal of his. And then I think his lowest was uh, about 227. So in total, dropping about 14 to 15 pounds um, over the duration of, I believe it was roughly about four months, somewhere around there. Um, and now, this is something I'd like to bring up now, I guess, where are you now and are you still able to maintain close to what your lowest was around that 230 I haven't mark. weighed myself in a few weeks, but okay. we had... Um 
around that time period is when the family got COVID, where okay. everybody yep. got COVID. I think your family yeah. had an overlap too. Yeah, it was bad. So we had a few weeks there where it wasn't too bad for either of our families. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody was like a week, but it was staggered. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as one person's better, the other person's starting right. it. So it was a little chaotic for, I think, a couple months for your family and my family. Mm-hmm. And um, then we got back on track a little bit. And as an extension, we added on some extra for the coaching there. Mm-hmm. But then, um, and then now we're in the holiday season. So I have not weighed myself in a few weeks, okay. but I feel like um, maybe just a few, a few pounds over there in the low 230s. Got it. And then I'd like to kind of buckle down again some more starting January. Yeah, so that's really what I care about, and that's why I ask, right, is because if we can get you down to a specific place, we're not trying to have you get down to that point and just kind of throw it all out the window. Like Mike said, if I learned anything, I, I need to eat more protein. I just need to monitor how much fat I'm taking in and monitor how many carbs I'm taking in and still obviously work out, hydrate myself, watch how much caffeine I take in so that I can ma- manage stressors the best as possible. Um, when Coach Chris, he started at 220 pounds, maybe 221, somewhere yep. around there. Right there yep. um, and I believe the lowest that I have tracked was a 194. Yeah, I might, I might even hit just below that, but okay. it was probably just like one of those like crazy one morning I woke up, I was like 191 or two yeah. or something. I can't like remember yeah. 191 because we were talking about yeah. getting yeah. you into the 180s. And yeah, you know, I was like, oh, no, yeah, that's not right. going to happen, that's bro. Right. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, that would have been a 30-pound net loss, yeah. right? So I, I feel... I feel like it was really for me. I think it was get initially. I was like under two hundred five, under yeah. two hundred five, yeah. and then it became once I got under that, then I'm like okay, under two hundred, mm-hmm. and I and I've maintained that. Which mm-hmm. I, I just weighed myself this morning. I was one ninety nine, mm-hmm. and I I want to I want to live around one ninety five. Mm-hmm. So I'm still like a, a few pounds higher than really where I want to be. But just being under the two hundred feels like a win, mm-hmm. and I know. Like I, I have managed it now for several months, mm-hmm. and for me, it's it's a, the accountability using that darn my fitness pal. Yeah, and there's a lot of apps out there, so I'm not part. I'm partial to that one because that's the one I used. Mm-hmm. And there's other which good we were tracking. nervous about it too. And I yes. just I just want to throw in that the thing scans every barcode. Yes, yep. and you have the initial work once of entering the stuff you eat, yeah. but then it's sitting right there, and you just slide it over, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It was no, it's, pretty it's, easy. It's really easy. And right. it's, it, it everything gives, it gives you serving sizes. Like, yeah, you weigh, like if I have chicken or, you know, some type of lean protein or whatever it is, like, yeah, I got to kind of know how much it is or I weigh it. Yeah. Um, or, uh, and portion it out. But generally, uh, it, it's really user friendly and mm-hmm. you can go back. I can go back as long as I don't go let too much time go by. Like if I didn't track for the day yet and it's like lunch or dinner, I can, yeah. okay, let me go back and yeah. put in what I've had today. Yep. Cause I always have a pretty good, you know, idea of what, mm-hmm. what I'm, what I've eaten. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you feel like you gained the education that you needed from the work? Totally. I mean, Chris is, we're both maintaining this and we really, the big, the big shift was eating more protein, Mm -hmm. cutting down those carbs and fat less than what we're doing. I think we were more on like a high fat is okay kind of kick for a while. Mm -hmm. And when I I got into powerlifting people, it was just about the weight you're lifting, not the weight you weighed and you could easily lose weight for a weigh in. So really, I think that threw me off for a while. Because before I got into powerlifting, I was doing this kind of bodybuilding diet, which was lean proteins, healthy fats, and like moderate carbs. Mm-hmm. But then what I never knew about, I got back to that and realized that's that's where it's at. But 
with the refeed day, which makes it more uh, adaptable, I guess, for a guy in his 40s with a family and a career now. Right. Where, you know, having that once a week where you have higher carbs Mm -hmm. and really... You told me you can't overeat the protein. It's not going to turn into fat. You're like, you can eat a lot of protein. I was having sometimes two shakes a day Mm -hmm. and still falling a little bit short on my protein. So there's never, ever, ever any kind of hunger issue. It was just eating for me more protein, watching the carbs and knowing that once a week you get to bump that up. So it was cutting back and fat. That's what I learned and using the app and then having you review it with us because once a week we had the accountability thing of Mm -hmm. the meeting to go over uh, the numbers. Uh, The only thing I think would help would be if somehow the app connected to the spreadsheet so you didn't have to enter it twice. Yeah, the the uh, manual entering maybe. But it's really not a big deal. You're just putting in what's on the app and then we get to look it over with you. Right. That's what you got to (laughs) do. That's it. How about you, Chris? That's the next step. Do you feel like you, you learn from the experience? Oh, without question. I, I think, and it's already been uh, discussed, but I mean, for me, it was a real eye-opener for how much protein I really need to be eating every day right? and, and how, to, how to fit it all in and have it be mostly from whole good foods, mm-hmm. whole foods, and then supplement, you know, yeah. fill the gaps with, with the protein drinks yeah. and stuff. Um, and then secondarily, it really was like... Uh, and what I love is that it's like focus on lifting weights and like strength building. Right. And I know that has more appeal to the guys listening, mm-hmm. but geez, for all the women that we've, I've worked with Mike and especially you over the years, mm-hmm. women love to train right. hard and push hard and like get stronger. Right. Mm-hmm. They love it. Mm-hmm. And that's what uh, it works for them. And they're not, you're not going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger because right. you're lifting heavy. You're a right. woman. Like, but you know, when you train for strength and you train for muscle, really affecting the muscle and cut out all this extra cardio, you're actually going to get the results you're after. Because I don't know how many women I've come into contact with are busting their buns with all this running and jogging and cardio on, on, on machines. And they're so frustrated and never right. getting where they want to be. It's right. like you're not getting there because that's not the path. Right. You know yeah. another thing that happened too? We, we hit our goal for the San Diego trip. Yeah. And then a big group of guys made a challenge and they were all going to do 75 hard together. Mm -hmm. And Chris and I were invited and we're like, no, we're, we're doing great with what we're doing. We already have a coach. We're not jumping on there. We're doing our thing. But we had some friends and I'm not mentioning names or anything because we're not throwing anybody under the bus. Mm -hmm. But we did, um, I don't know how long it was, 75 days, I guess. Yeah, 75 days. And then we went and um, got DEXA scans. That's where you get to find out how much body fat, how much lean mass, everything is checked, right? Mm-hmm. And this one guy that had lost a t- guy, I didn't say girl, mm-hmm. and he did the thing with um, not getting enough protein and way too much cardio yes. and a little bit of starvation mixed in there. And he'd lost a lot of weight. Like he went down a lot. But when he went in that DEXA scan, he lost a lot of muscle during that time right. frame. And and uh, you wound up beating him because the goal wasn't weight loss. You two had a little bit. No, he, he actually... Oh, he beat you. He but did. But what was the, what was I, the thing actually? My body, body fat? My, my body fat percentage was better than well, his. What was the bet? But he lost more body fat uh, uh, per, uh, oh, Chris, total. The mm. bet was who could lose body more fat body fat percent. in the time frame. He lost more body fat than Chris, barely. But Chris had a lower body fat percentage mm, than he did. And... Uh, he, maintained, he lost Chris maintained more muscle his muscle. And, oh, yeah. he lost. I almost said his name. Yeah. He lost more muscle 
and had a higher body fat percentage. Yeah. It makes sense to me. I mean, <laughs> so we're like, we're that's just why. like eat protein and lift some heavier stuff. Yeah. And, and you're going to lose even from, more from July to October. I lost 3% body fat. Mm hmm. Um, which some people, oh, that doesn't sound like very mm -hmm. much. That's actually a pretty big number in a yeah. short period of time. Mm -hmm. But the trick and to all this is how do you lose the body fat but keep the muscle? Because the, muscle, the keep muscle's keep the muscle. what keeps the metabolism going. That's the thing. How do we lose fat? How do we keep muscle? So and if you want to know, listeners. we just told you. Replay this episode like nine more times or... Reach out to Will. How do they get a hold of you? Yes. Yeah, so you guys can contact me. It's uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, William uh, underscore Grazione. Uh, my email, uh, William at theeducateddieter.com. Our website, theeducateddieter.com. Uh, we have the Hey Coach Radio podcast as well. Um, and... Yeah, that's how you contact we're gonna, me. We're going to stick our pictures in the YouTube video. So if you go check out the Strong by Design YouTube channel, there'll be a highlight video. If you're watching this right now, some of the pictures are going to pop up. You'll see the transformation that Chris and I made. And um, we can't thank you enough just for the education, for helping us through that, helping us hit the goal. And we're just happy to kind of share this success story with everyone. Definitely highly recommend Will as a coach and just as a good human being and yeah, a friend. No doubt. I really appreciate that, guys. Thank yeah. you so much. Oh, it's been awesome, man. We, thank you so much for just, I mean, just a plethora, I don't use that word very often, but of information and just, it just pours out of him as, as I mean, he has like a few little notes in front of him or things that he wants to say, <laughs> but I mean, this is a guy that just eats, sleeps and breathes this stuff and he really is uh, so brilliant and so passionate about helping people. So if you're serious, the Mr. or Mrs. Listener about changing your life uh, and having a physical transformation that you can maintain. I think that's what everyone's after. Absolutely. Like, how can I get to where I want to be and then be there right. for the long term? So, Sustainability. Yeah, it's huge. And we're not so, talking about the ocean. And we're not talking about the same. No more straws. <laughs> no more plastic straws in the ocean. We're not talking about that, but that might help too. Uh, so we uh, encourage our listeners right now, smash that five stars on whatever platform uh, you listen to this show. Leave us a review because it means so much to us. And we'd love to hear what you have to say about the conversation today uh, and maybe how much this was uh, helpful to you. We'd love to hear back from you. And hey, if you want something that says Strong by Design on it, like a, a shirt or a, a mug or something, hey, do this. If you're a super fan and you love our show, DM us on Instagram. Go to our Critical Bench uh, Instagram, at the Critical Bench, at the Critical Bench, and let us know why you're a super fan, what you love about our show, and we will send you free swag. How about that? So do that, and we would love to send that out to our uh, amazing fans and followers. So thanks for another amazing episode here on Strong by Design, and we'll be back next week, as always, on Wednesday. We love you, and God bless you. God bless Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you. 